Welcome to the Hollow Sky Podcast. I am one half of your host, Stephen. And I'm Kyle. Hey, Kyle. How's it going? It's going. So, we're about to jump back into this watcher business, but first we have to deal with our business. So, if you'd like to check us out at our social medias, you can catch us at on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Hollow Sky Podcast. Just search us up and Just you'll find us it. there. Just search it. You'll find it. If you have a creepy encounter or story that you would like to share with us, seen a ghost, seen Bigfoot, Chupacabra. Aliens. Aliens, yeah. Tell Kyle about the aliens. Let's hear it. If you know of a good conspiracy, a local conspiracy in your town, a national conspiracy, global conspiracy, whistleblow them. Just let us know. I think town conspiracies would be rather interesting. Yeah, let's hear it. Come on, Jerseyville. Tell us about your conspiracies. I'm sure Jerseyville's got a couple. Yeah, so if you have those, call us at one 4656 and leave us a little message. You can go five minutes without the recording stopping. If you go over five minutes, simply call back, chop up right where you left off, and finish your story. Or you can use... Uh your little voice recorder app on your smartphone there because I'm sure that just about everybody's got a smartphone these days. True. And uh, it doesn't matter the length. You just run it and you can edit it if you want. You don't have to. And then just email it to us at holoskypodcast at gmail.com. So, Kyle, our last episode we were looking into the case of the Brodus family and the Watcher of 657 Boulevard, where this family had purchased this new house, paid a pretty good chunk of money for it, and before they even got a chance to move in, they start receiving letters from an entity that calls itself the Watcher, supposedly an overseer of this house. And the Watcher absolutely terrorizes this couple. And their children. That's kind of an understatement. Yeah. He threatens the kids. He, like, it's, it's crazy. It would be a horrible position to be in. So before I jump into the latter half, we broke it into two episodes because there's a lot of information to take in and I didn't want to kind of drone myself out for two hours reading and making you guys listen to me. So we split it up. But if you haven't heard the first part of The Watcher of 657 Boulevard. You kind of need to. Yeah, make sure you go back and check that out. Kind of give you an intro into the uh, story and let you know what's going on. Because in this one, we are going to bounce into the second half and see if anything comes of The Watcher. So at this point... News of the Brodus family and the situation they're going through has broken into media. The news has heard about it starting to get pushed around on the internet, and now everyone's coming out from the woodworks to solve this Watcher mystery. So it's it's a big deal at this point. Yeah. You got commenters on the internet suggesting ground-penetrating radar come in to find out whatever's in the walls that the Watcher had claimed. There had already been a home inspector that already checked, and the only issue was the uh, aging home's lack of decent insulation. You had 
Well, hold on. Before you, before you go any farther, the image in my head is priceless. They talk about ground-penetrating radar. So basically those things look like uh, push lawnmowers. Big could you imagine? Could you imagine them pushing that up and down the walls? They're look, trying looking to f- inside the walls. They're trying to find out <laughs> what the watcher left, bro. No, I would be it. too. As you're reading the story, that's what my brain is wondering: what's in the walls? There's got to be something crazy in the walls. Is it little kids? Is it just bones? Hopefully, it's money. Well, that would be a better turn to the story. I'd let someone write me creepy letters if they filled my house full of money. Yeah, that'd be uh, awesome. Unless they were going to do something about it. Yeah, or threaten just, my it's, kids. It's just a tease. Or threaten my kids. Yeah. And they can F off. But anyway, uh, part of the course, Reddit just went nuts well, over Reddit. this. People were getting on Google Street Maps, and they were finding parked cars outside of uh, 657 Boulevard, and they're zooming in on these, and they're... People see a man holding a camera and all this other shit in these pixelated satellite images. Man, I don't know about the can or the the car theory. Come on, that's a lot of dedication. And that has to be a pretty good ass satellite picture to zoom in good enough to see some dude holding the camera. Well, that but think about the time that you would have to dedicate sitting in your car to be caught on Google. Yeah, but even pictures. even even push the Google pictures aside. Just if if you were there to watch this house, imagine the amount of time you would spend in your vehicle watching yeah. a family. Yeah, I got that's you. That's a little that's a little excessive. Not saying those people don't exist. I got you. But it is a little excessive. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> so as the internet does, it started popping off lists of suspects i mean really really don't actually exist they talked about jilted a jilted mistress uh spurned realtor local high schoolers creative writing project uh guerrilla marketing for a horror movie or just like some mall kids trying to get a good laugh out of people uh some people thought that brodices were not like standing up for themselves for not moving in People are quoted, I'd never let some sicko stop me from moving into a house. Never back down from a terrorist. Yeah, don't talk about it, be about it. Yeah. Come on. Which, of course, bothered the Broduses. None of them read the letters or had children threatened by someone they didn't know. To decide whether this person's only nuts enough to write these letters and not to do something, what if he decided to do something? Needless to say, in the town of Westfield people were starting to get on edge as the as word of this got out. Um, Lauren Clancy, who teaches piano lessons in her house behind 657 Boulevard, spoke of one of her students that came in for a lesson shortly after the news of the watcher broke, and sh- the girl just started bawling. She was terrified to walk down the street. Um, at first Westfield Town Council meeting, after the letters became public, the mayor assured the public that the watcher hadn't been heard from in a year and that even though the police hadn't solved the case, their investigation had been exhausted. This was news to 657's neighbors, most of whom had never heard from the cops. We're confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be concluded concluded without talking to all the neighbors within a proximity of the home, several of them wrote to a local paper. Under the glare of national attention, Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective for the Westfield Police Department, was asked to look into the case. The Brodices are victims, and I don't think they get the support they needed, Chambliss spoke. 
Uh, Chambliss knew his colleagues had looked closely at Michael Langford. According to his brother, Sandy Langford, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers into the neighbor spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did strange things, like walk through their backyard or peek in the windows of the homes that were being renovated. But those who knew him said the odd things were mostly just unusual neighborly kindness. He goes out and gets newspapers every morning, one neighbor said. Uh, people who had known Michael for decades spoke that they didn't think he was capable of writing the letters. So He's okay because he gets newspapers. He does nice things, so it makes he up can, for his creepy things. Yeah, he can peep into your windows, and that's cool because he gets newspapers. Yeah, he's helping you out. Are, is everyone in this town out of their damn mind? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but that's a little... Yeah, but you're missing the point. Asinine to say. That he will get you your newspaper. Oh, okay. So you yeah. let him watch you. Dude, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I get it. <laughs> As Chambliss continued to look into the case, he discovered something surprising. Investigators had eventually conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. Dun, dun, dun. Which is weird because I don't feel like a woman is but doing it. That but. being said, just because her DNA is on the envelope does not mean she has. She wrote the letters or were behind it. Could be That's like a, a bunch, like a conglomerate of people behind this whole situation. That's true. Chambliss decided to look more closely at Abby Langford, Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Spawned real estate agent. She was, was she upset about missing, missing a lot of commission right next door? She also worked at the local Lord and Taylor, and Chambliss coordinated with a security guard there to nab her plastic water bottle de- during a DNA shift, but Chambliss says the DNA simply was not a match. Not long after, the prosecutor's office gave Derek and Maria some unexpected news. They wouldn't say why or how, but they had ruled out the entire Langsford family as suspects. Okay, so that plays into a little bit more of a conspiracy situation. Yeah. And I don't... Personally, I don't buy... The uh, angry realtor side of it, mostly because unless she's really spiteful and it's just one of them things, if you can't have it, neither, or if I can't have it, neither can you, because by the stunt that you just pulled, you completely washed out any type of commission that you're ever going to get off this house again. Yeah, the house is be it'll be yeah, dead in the water. Done. It's done. Especially now that it's national news. Yeah, it's done. It's dead in the water. Needless to say, the Brodus's were stunned that the Langfords had been uh cleared of any suspicion. They recently told prosecutors they planned to file civil charges against the Langford and wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up again on national news. My family moved to the Boulevard area, or moved to the Boulevard in 1961, and we never caused a problem for anyone. Sang Sandy Langford said, "This guy gets all these letters, and all of a sudden, people are pointing fingers at us." Left without a suspect, the Brodesses reopened their personal investigation. They're still coy about sharing too much with their neighbors, who remained in the pool of suspects, but spent an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. They hoped someone might recognize the writing from a Christmas card. But the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 657 said his, his son joked that the watcher sounded a little bit like him. A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Kroll, the security firm, 
and the Brodesses hired the company to look for handwriting matches, but they didn't find anything. They also hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and formal mem- former member of the band Shanana, interestingly enough, but he didn't find any noteworthy overlap when he scoured local online forums for similarities to the Watcher's writing style, although he did think the author might watch the Game of Thrones. Jon Snow was one of the Watchers on the Wall. At one point, Derek persuaded a friend in tech to connect him to a hacker willing to try to break into the Wi-Fi networks in the neighborhood to look for incriminating documents, but doing so turned out to be both illegal and more difficult than the movies made it seem, so they didn't go through with it. <laughs> Probably a good call there. Yeah, I'd say so. It just <clears throat> the, the dad has gone to such extensive lengths to try to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, the dude is just drawing at straws. Yeah. Like he is exhausting every single resource well, he like can. Like in the, in the previous episode, they were talking about how uh, he made lines of sight and yeah, all those overlapping things. He's dude, doing his work. That's doing that's his impressive. due diligence. That is impressive to but think and go that far. When it comes to someone messing with your kids, dude, I feel you. You you do the work. Yep. Uh, Chain Bliss and the Westfield Police were back at square one. The cops asked for Andrea Woods' DNA sample and interviewed her 21 year old son, who was surprised to find that suddenly he seemed to be a suspect. After a year after the fact, it was hard to find fresh leads, and the initial police canvas had been so porous that it had missed a significant, a significant clue. Around the same time that the Brodesses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. The parents of that family had lived in their house for years, and their kids were grown, so they threw the letter away as the Woodses had. But after the news broke, one of their children posted about it on Facebook, then deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Brodus's, but its existence only made the case more confusing. There wasn't a whole lot to go on, Chambliss had said. One night, Chambliss and a partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on the boulevard watching the house through a pair of binoculars. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for Chambliss to grow suspicious. He says he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657. The woman told Chambliss her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including, in Chambliss's memory, one in which he was playing as a specific character, known as the Watcher. As for the female DNA, Chambliss figured the girlfriend or someone else could have helped. The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Chambliss says he had agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. He didn't show up either time. Chambliss didn't have enough evidence to compel him to a com- to compel him to appear, and with the media attention dying down, he dropped the case and moved on. That's kind of odd. It is weird. And another thing I caught earlier when you were saying that another family got a letter as well, that to me, if it's true because they really can't prove if it's true or not. It may have just been somebody looking for attention. But if it is true, that starts to reel me back towards somebody is crazy. Yeah, like just sending these letters out, just fishing for someone to respond. Yeah, instead of it being an actual sinister plot to feed a house bodies. And he called himself the Watcher. Was he claiming to watch over this other house as well? Right, you know, like like maybe six five seven isn't isn't 
as important as he's making it out to seem. Right, that's what, yeah, exactly. While the Brotuses continued to be consumed by stress and fear, the rest of Westfield, the story became a little, little more than a creepy urban legend. A house to walk by on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had lived in the house before the Woodses could recall anything unusual, and it was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighborhood could be host to something so sinister. A woman who lived nearby said that after the news broke, she and ten or so of her neighbors had gathered in the street to puzzle out who might have sent the letters. Eventually, they came to a consensus. Maybe the Broduses had sent the letters to themselves. That thought never really crossed my mind. Yeah. It's possible. It, it is possible. I don't think it's very wise. No, definitely It could have not. been. It could have been. I'm not going to rule that out. It could have been a good play for you guys if it was really you. Because you probably could have got some crazy movie deal out of the, the thing. But with the way the story's going, I don't feel like it worked out that way for them. No, and I mean, they, they put together a pretty good theory. So the theory was that the Brodesses had suffered buyer's remorse or realized that they couldn't afford the home and concocted the elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Or maybe Derek was cooking up some kind of insurance fraud or they were angling for a movie deal. The Brodesses received several offers but turned them all down. Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher despite a cease and desist letter from the Brodesses arguing that the couple in its movies were biracial and the letters were signed by The Raven, not The Watcher. Some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Brodesses had upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $770,000 house to a $1.3 million house and refinanced their mortgages. A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield Leader published an article which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Brodesses kept renovating a home that they weren't moving into or questioning whether they had really done that much renovating at all. The leader even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family safety, citing as evidence the fact that she had a public Facebook page with photos of her kids. Which is kind of dumb. I mean, everybody has a Facebook page with their kids on it. Yeah, and I want to pump the brakes here for just a quick second. Hold up. Um, so it says they they got offered several movie deals. Turned they them all down. Turned them all down. But a company went ahead and made a movie with their likeness, so to speak. But they dispute it because the couple is biracial, which is ignorant. <laughs> and then you get butt hurt because they changed the name from Watcher to Raven. The way I'm reading it is that the Brodus has put a cease and desist said, hey, do not make this movie about us. So Lifetime went and did it anyway, right. saying that it's it's not totally about you because the couple's biracial and the Watcher's not signing the letters. The right. Raven's signing the letters. Okay, gotcha. But so it's not the Brodus is getting butthurt if that's what you're, is that what you're no, saying? Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying is that they, they're just mad because they went ahead and did the movie, but they're only mad because... A biracial couple and Raven instead of the Watcher. No, that's that's Lifetime trying to. Uh, I understand Lifetime's yeah. angle is to get around yeah. this cease and desist. Yeah, but yeah, it's... I just took it as the. <laughs> this is why we're nitpicking, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay. Don't use our story, right? Yeah. Because you got it that wrong. 
So, uh, Facebook page with a photo of her kids. The paper did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA, and it also did not match the DNA they pulled off the envelope. Okay. None of the theories made a whole lot of sense, as we were kind of talking. The Brodises had answers to every question. How does someone go from a $300,000 house to a $1.3 million house in 10 years? Derek's reply was, it's America. You know, you work hard, you make money, you upgrade, you upgrade. That's true, but, but... 10 years is not very long. That's that's also true. For that for that kind of money unless unless he was already on the verge at his job of becoming somebody. Yeah. I mean that's that's possible too. Yeah, and I mean I feel like 10 years is not a long time to us with our blue collar jobs. Right. Where you have like 1.3 million dollars is a long that's reach. That's yeah, oh yeah. That's a lifetime of work. Yeah. Uh, one Boulevard resident wrote a letter to an editor arguing that an elaborate scheme is underway to defraud the Woods family of millions of dollars. Chambliss said some Westfield cops even bought into this theory. There were even mm-hmm. more skeptics online. I live in a neighbor. I live in a neighboring town. If these letters had been happening for a while, there is no doubt in my mind that it would have been made public way before it ever came about. This screams scam. The Broduses okay. hadn't known how their neighbors would react to the news about the Watcher, but they had lived in the area for a decade, and Maria's family had been part of the community for much longer than that. So it was shocking to find themselves accused of being con artists. To Derek, it seemed that some Westfield preferred conspiracy theories to consider, as opposed to considering whether their town might be home to a menace. There's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years and nothing's happened to me, said Derek. What happened to my family is an affront to their contention that they're safe and that there's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe that this could happen in Westfield. While Maria looks back fondly on her childhood, she was born a few years after Westfield resident John List infamously murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their home, and remembers a period when she and other kids were warned to look out for a strange van driving around town. My mother's always told me, don't have a false sense of security, she said. It wasn't that bad things were going on all the time. It was that bad things happen everywhere. She didn't want me to think that this was Mayberry. Many locals uh, did seem more concerned that the national press might ruin Westfield's good name. Some were primarily worried about arson or vandalism or whether the Broduses would maintain the lawn. Um, A neighborhood representative on the Westfield Town Council said the primary concern he heard from residents was that they were worried about their property value and the stigma of the neighborhood. Which, that being said, it kind of uh, goes forth to where maybe this could be a town, a whole town conspiracy trying to get these people out of here. That would be weird. It seems like people but are way more interested in, in their lawns and their houses as opposed to the well-being of their neighbors. Right. And some of those communities are like that. Yeah. So the Broduses all of a sudden are outcasts not only from their home but also from their town. Derek wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria insisted not uprooting their kids. This person took so much from us already, I wouldn't let them take any more. Two years after the Watcher's letters arrived, the Broduses borrowed money from a family member to buy a second home in Westfield, using an LCC to keep the location private. But... Hey, Hollow Colt. The weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tecovis Boots. 
When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tecovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Staying in town was stressful. The first time Maria let her daughter go to the pool with friends, uh, she stared at the tracker on her daughter's iPhone the whole time. One of their kid was in a language arts class when the teacher led a debate about whether the family in a book they were reading should move to Westfield. The class thought they should, the class thought they should, in part because of how safe it was. Afterward, one of the kids told the Brodus's child, "My parents told me that no matter what your family says, Westfield's always safe." Meanwhile, the Brodus's still had to figure out what to do with 657 Boulevard. Their lawsuit was pending, but seemed unlikely to succeed. Some states require sellers to disclose transient social conditions like murders or possible hauntings. In a 1991 case involving an allegedly ghost-filled house, a New York court ruled that as a matter of law, the house is haunted. But New Jersey had no such regulation. A judge later dismissed the lawsuit. The Woodses, through their attorney, declined to comment for the story. Derek looked into renting the house to the Department of Veterans Affairs and a company that runs halfway homes. First off, I want to say that it's kind of cool that they recognize actual haunted houses yeah, as being, you know, made, f- it needs to be brought forth before you can rent. Like, there's a whole bunch of ghosts in here. You should probably know this. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Like, New York court ruled, quote, as a matter of law, the house is haunted, end quote. I just want to read that statue, what constitutes a house being haunted in New York. I'm going to look that up. Might as well. I digress. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market, hoping it might garner more interest given how many people had reacted to the letters by saying they would have ignored them and just moved in. The Brodises held a well-attended open house, after which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in and comparing their handwriting to the watchers. But each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met the Brodises' lawyer to read the letters, they backed out. Some cocky guy from Staten Island said... Bucket, I'm going to get the house at a discount. Uh, he read the letters and we never heard from him again, Derek said. Feeling as if they were out of options, the Brodus's real estate lawyer proposed an idea. Sell the house to a developer who could tear it down, split the property into, into two sellable homes. They thought they could get a million for the lot. 
Subdivisions like this have been common in Westfield, much to the chagrin of many locals, and 657 was one of the neighborhood's largest lots. Even so, dividing it would require Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception. Two smaller lots would be 67.4 and 67.6 feet wide, just shy of a mandated 70 foot. Uh, when the proposal was publicly announced, Westfield's Facebook groups lit up. Some expressed sympathy for the Brodises, while others pointed out real estate is always a gamble. Another faction was convinced that this was the culmination of a long con. Out of this whole scam artist story, there ends up being nothing more than this disturbing move. A local woman said, A man who coached the Brodus's son in football wrote, They were in over their head from day one. The application was jarring for the neighbors who had learned about the watcher from a lawsuit and had always found it strange that the Brodus's didn't share more information, not seeming to understand they were following orders from the police and trying to protect their kids. A typical com or Facebook conversation kind of went like this. Sounds like this whole watcher thing was a ploy. The owners are good people, not a ploy. Okay, I don't actually know anything about them. <laughs> That's pretty much Facebook. That's the internet, yeah. Yeah, for a split second there, I was uh, I was into the con. Like You're in I, the con camp. Yeah, I was. I was kind of like, well, it is possible, but they would have to do a lot of homework and research. But then the more I sit and think about it, the dumber that con would be. Because do you? I mean, I don't assume this, but what do you feel your odds would be if I bought a house off you and was like, hey? I'm going to sue you now because you've got one letter and you didn't tell me about it. Do it. Exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel Try like, it. I feel like if you were, if you were a, a good enough con to make enough money to acquire a $1.3 million house, your con would be a little bit better than this. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it just doesn't seem that well thought through. No, that's what I mean. For them to be pulling one over on themselves. Exactly. Okay. Kristen Kemp, a friend of the Brodus's, had tried to defend them on Facebook forum, but people started attacking her. Quote, somebody asked, how do we know it's not you writing the letters? So that's that's kind of how the town, the look the town mm. took on it. So, hang on, I'm confused. Is the person on Facebook accusing the homeowners of writing the letters? She's defending them that okay. they didn't write the letters. Okay. So then someone else accused her, like, well, maybe you wrote the letter. Gotcha, gotcha. Typical bullshit. Yeah, it's the internet. When planning the board meeting, uh, hold that thought. When planning, when the planning board met to decide the application in January 2017, it had already devoted a three-hour-long hearing to the issue. More than 100 residents showed up. One of them, who lived across the street and had a daughter in the same grade as one of the Brodus kids, had retained a lawyer to fight the proposal. Here was a new suspect. Who but the watcher would go so far as to hire an attorney to save the house? After a quick discussion about Wells Fargo branch that wanted to use brighter light bulbs than the town allowed, the room grew tense as a suburban planning board meetings took off. James Forst, the Brodus' attorney, explained that the three-foot exemption was as narrow as the easel he was using to display the map of the neighborhood, a map that showed several lots in the block that were also too small. 
for the mandate. The neighbors expressed concern that the plan might require knocking down trees and that new homes would have an aesthetically unpleasing front-facing garages. For Forrest repeatedly threatened the halfway house as a plausible alternative. After the lawyers, a parade of neighbors stood to speak. Glenn Dumont from across the street said the proposal would spell the end of the 600 block of Boulevard as we know it. A woman whose kids had been to the Brodus' old home for a birthday party spoke on behalf of nine neighbors and presented 657 Boulevard as Westfield's Alamo. Our neighborhoods are consistently under attack from turf, lights, parking, decks, you name it, she said. If we can't take a stand on the boulevard, where can we? At one point, Abby Langford stood up and said she'd spent almost 60 years looking at a magnificent, beautiful house and didn't want to be looking out at a driveway. The hearing lasted for four hours, during which there was little discussion of the reason the Broduses had been driven to tear down their dream home in the first place. Has anybody thought about whether or not this lunatic who did this had been apprehended, said Tom Higgins, who lived across the street toward the end of the hearing. Even so, Higgins pointed out that there was no guarantee the watcher wouldn't send letters to the two new houses and argued that aesthetics should rule the day. Putting up two houses there is going to stick out like an old client of mine in Texas has told me, Higgins said. It's going to stick out like a dog's balls. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) These people are very picky of their street. Yeah, man, they don't want dog balls all over their street. Anyway, while some of the neighbors expressed compassion, their focus remained on what the Broduses stood to gain financially and what they themselves might lose. At 11.30 p.m., the board unanimously rejected the proposal. A New Jersey judge later denied the Broduses' appeal of the decision. Derek and Maria were distraught. Even if the plan had gone through, it would have only stanched their financial bleeding. On top of the mortgage and the renovations, they'd paid around $100,000 in Westfield property taxes. The town denied the request for relief and spent at least half of that amount investigating the watcher and exploring ways to deal with the home, not to mention clearing the gutters. The Broduses recognized that 657 Boulevard was a beautiful house on a beautiful street that was worth maintaining, but were surprised their neighbors didn't see the uniqueness of the situation. This is my town, Maria had said. I grew up here, I came back, and I chose to raise my kids here. You know what we've been through? You had the ability, two and a half years into a nightmare, to make it better. And you've decided that this house is more important than we are. That's really how it felt. On top of all that, her dad had died recently. Father Michael Saporto, the priest who blessed the house, went to one of the planning board meetings and told me he was taken aback by how many people had come up to him and said uh, that they thought this whole thing was a hoax. I think the human element of the story is kind of lost on the neighbors, the priest said. The watcher had expressed a desire to protect the boulevard from change, but instead it had tore it apart. Not long after the planning board decision, the Broduses got some good news. Family with grown children, two big dogs, had agreed to rent 657 Boulevard. The renter told the Star-Ledger that he wasn't worried about the watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in case of another letter. Two weeks later, Derek went to 657 to deal with squirrels that had taken up residence on the roof. The renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his winch of a wife, Maria. The letter, two and a half years after the watcher appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th, the day the Broduses gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. 
You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots, the letter read. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who had no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. The letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others, and it seemed the writer had closely followed the story. They had seen the media coverage. Quote, I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. Derek's surreptitious investigative efforts. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And the attempt to tear down the house. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. The letter read, my soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. The renter was mentioned. He was spooked, but agreed to stay if the Brodus's installed cameras around the house, and the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms. The letter stated, Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away. It makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe a mysterious death of a pet. A loved one suddenly dies. Planes and cars and bicycles crash and bones break. It was like they were back at the beginning, said Maria, but it also meant fresh evidence that might help invigorate the investigation. Derek took the letters to the police headquarters where a detective looked at the neighborhood map and traced a circle around the house 300 300 yards in diameter, suggesting the watcher must be somewhere in that circle. Derek drew one much closer. In my view, it's one of ten houses in the world, he said. The Brodus's continued to press the case, but there still wasn't much for law enforcement to go on, and it was possible to look up and down the streets and see the watcher in practically anyone. Residents mentioned that there was a teenager whose father had grown up around the corner and a man who sometimes walked around the neighborhood playing a flute. An elderly couple behind the house had been there for 47 years. The husband was the man Bill Woodward had seen sitting in the lawn chair overlooking the Brodus's house. One of their kids had married a man who grew up in, of all places, 657 Boulevard. But these were bits of information that could mean everything or mean nothing depending on how hard you looked at them. The Brodus's sent new names to the investigators whenever they found something odd, but their greatest fear was that the watcher could be someone they'd never suspect. One day last spring, Derek was interviewed as he drove past 657 Boulevard, which he and Maria tried to avoid unless they have to pick up their tax bill. It's all beautiful trees and beautiful houses, but I f- still, but all I feel is anxiousness, he said. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, what would my life be like if this didn't happen? We lost Christmas a couple times, and you don't get that back. Christmas with a five-year-old. Brodus, the Brodus's no longer live in the ever-present fear that the watcher might strike at any moment, but they continue to deal with the lingering effects of the letters. They have a new tenant at 657, but the rent won't cover the mortgage. Their kids are occasionally teased at school, and the conspiratorial rumors persist. They try to avoid the people who spoke out against their planning board application or accuse them of being con artists, but the suburban life makes that impossible. I see these people on the soccer field at the train station, and my heart starts going like it did when I played hockey and I was about to get in a fight, Derek said. When Maria found herself in a spin class at the YMCA with the head of the planning board, she went up afterward and told him, you continue to hurt my family every single day. 
Earlier this year, the planning board approved splitting a lot around the corner that required an even larger exception than the Brodus's. Most people in Westfield rarely ever think of the watcher anymore. The real estate market is doing fine for one, and many were surprised to find the Brodus's were still dealing with the problem. Hindsight made Derek Maria wonder if they should have sold the house at a loss early on and 657 Boulevard conjured too much emotional pain for them to ever consider moving in. They hope that the few years of renting the place without incident will help them sell it. The prosecutor's office was continuing in its investigation, but the Brodus's knew it was unlikely the Watcher would ever be caught and that legal punishment would likely be minimal. The Watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters in Westfield. Last Christmas Eve, several families received envelopes in their mailboxes. They'd been delivered by hand to the homes of people who had been in the most vocal, who'd been the most vocal in criticizing the Brodus's online. One of them, who lived a few blocks down the, from the boulevard, had written on Facebook, I wish we could go back to the days of tar and feathers. I have just the couple in mind. Another family who got a, the letter told me it was weirdly poetic, as the watchers had been, and that it accused families of speculating inaccurately about the Brodus's. It included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. The type letters were signed Friends of the Brodus Family. The letter writer had clearly been uh, infected not only with the watcher's penchant for anonymous notes, but also simmering resentment. One that had snaked its way through Westfield, making enemies of neighbors. The people who received the letters didn't know who sent them, but the tone had a familiar ring. Um, when Derek was interviewed, whether he had written them or not, he paused for a moment, a moment and then he admitted he had. He wasn't proud of it. He hadn't even told his wife and said they were the only anonymous letters he'd ever written. But he felt driven to his wits end and fed up with watching silently as people threw accusations at his family based on practically nothing. One of the people who received the letter told, had said... They had never met the Brodus's and had no interest in doing so. The Watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard, and Derek, in turn, had been, become obsessed with the Watcher and everything the letters had set in motion. It's like a cancer, he said. We think about it every single day. To end his interview, Derek quoted a line from the fourth letter of the Watcher, and it says, You are despised by the house, and the Watcher has won. So that's the story of the watcher. So no, it was a, no answers. Yeah, it was just open. Yeah, basically, whoever this was had tormented these people so badly that it in turn turned Derek into a watcher himself, into sending Touché. anonymous letters. You know, that's kind of a plot twist. It's it's a bizarre case, man. I don't even know where to go with it. There's so many twists and turns. Yeah. I'm trying I'm taking notes and a couple things that jumped out at me was A they rented the building to somebody, which kudos to anybody who can rent a one point three million dollar home. It's rather odd. But Yeah, it said it's not not enough to pay the mortgage. Yeah. But you would think that it'd be relatively close, I would assume. But anyways, um, what struck me again was the mention of 
how he kind of he spouted back at him was like hey turn around stupid you know telescopes and binoculars have come a long way or whatever he said that in my opinion says that he is close because well he's close in the in the fact that he most likely will be in a vehicle or he walks hence binos but the telescope makes me think that he is from afar as well because you're not going to be two doors down and using a telescope to look into somebody's windows unless it's more than one person unless you got eyes everywhere that's true that's also true because it does seem like a lot of people in that town are pricks yeah, that's for sure. F that town. And then, you know, people on the internet, you know, yeah, always uh, giving their opinion when it doesn't need internet. to be there. You know, trying to beat up this family. I don't know. The more I listen to the story, the more I do kind of feel bad for them. It'd be a horrible position to be in. Yeah. You know, because at first you, you definitely take their side because in the beginning of the story, a lot of it is aimed at their children and the worry of their children. And then you have all these plot twists that come in. Yeah, all these different know. ideas. One suspect, and that suspect is cleared. And then you become the suspect yourself, but then you're cleared because her DNA didn't match. Yeah. And you're still, you went from being victim number one to being public enemy number one. Yeah, and then you and make... everyone, from the mayor to the planning board, everyone is against you. Yeah. And then you make the dumb dumb decision which don't get me wrong I probably would have thought of the same thing when people were harassing you online if I get if I cared that much but then you go and you write your own anonymous letters yeah which makes you look like a suspect yeah puts you back at the top of the list yep yep not smart and I know that was just some form of retribution in his eyes yes but it just I don't know I don't know I would have done it any different no and I mean which brings me back to my con artist con artist theory is that they are not of that nature because they are not smart enough if they are they are the worst con artists yeah because they have lost the planet still losing money this is the worst con in the world yes the worst. It has completely backfired. Yeah. You've been better off catching the house on fire. <laughs> Get some insurance on that beach. Yeah. I mean, you would have been way better off doing it that way. Yeah. So, I mean, I I have no idea. I don't either. Outside of the DNA being female, that's about as far as it goes. Because the Langfords were cleared. Their DNAs didn't match. They're cleared of... of the suspicion. Yeah. It's not Maria's. Her DNA didn't match. It's not... I mean, Derek could have written it and then had someone else lick the envelope. Which is thinking, you know, that's playing chess there. Yeah. But I... It's it's somebody in the town, and I feel like it's probably much bigger than one person. I do, too, because I don't feel like... I don't really know why... But in my gut, I don't feel like whoever's writing these letters is female. I feel like whoever's writing them is a male. Yeah. 
Yeah, just in my with, gut. I don't really have a reason. I guess it's just the way they talk. Yeah. It just it's makes me feel like it's anger. yeah. I feel like if it's more of a man than a female. Yeah. And an older person, the way they write, the way they write their words, and the way yeah. their mannerisms that they they speak and they write just makes me think of an older person. But they are a vile older person for sure. Yeah. Old people can be pissed. That is now a proven fact. <laughs> but anyway, that is the story of the Watcher. I apologize that there is not a conclusion. I wish there were. I wish we had some answers, but that I was part I of the don't. reason. Part of the reason why I wanted to bring the story to everyone, let them hear it. So I apologize that it was such a long story. I apologize if I came across as long-winded. That's why we split it up into two. Right. But I just wanted to get the story out there. If anybody has looked into the case, studied it, has any opinions, get at us and let us know. We want to hear who you think the watcher is. See, I'm going to retract your apology once again for the no conclusion because... That makes it fun. Yeah, it wouldn't be a mystery if we no. knew who did it. It makes it fun. Now, everybody gets to open the doors and try to find your own path. Yeah. That's what makes this fun. And don't write us anonymous letters telling us to get out of our houses. We've already got enough of that weird stuff going on. Yeah, you can write us letters, but hopefully it's about creepy stories. Yeah. Speaking of which, if you have a creepy story... Go ahead and give us a call. Yeah, if you'd like to share it with us. We have a number you can call. It's a one eight seven seven eight zero zero hollow. That's four six five six. I always forget numbers. It's cool though. You can also check us out on all the social medias. <sighs> you know the drill. Yeah. Just yeah. look up Hollow Sky Podcast on your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We're all over there. Join the fan page. Talk to us. Talk to other fans. Just. Get out there and get weird. We are also, if you are on Facebook and the social media, you are probably currently aware that we are working on getting some merchandise. Oh yeah, nice plug. Ready. So just pay attention for that stuff because that will be in the near future. Yeah, Kyle's wearing a, a test Hollow Sky shirt right now. It's Pretty custom. dope. It's Pretty custom. dope. So merch in the future. If you have a weird story, tell us, and we'll feature it on these mugs. Thanks for uh, sitting around and listening to our story. We appreciate it. Yep, and until next time, let's get weird and stay weird. <laughs>